0: Nice to see that you all made it out today. I know it was pretty cold. I didn't want to get out of bed myself. Well, we're going to be back in the life of Moses in our series, Answering God's Call. So before we get in the message, I'm just going to have you all stand and we're going to read God's Word together. So I'm going to read two verses from Exodus 5 and then we're going to be in Exodus chapter 6. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for under compulsion he will let them go, and under compulsion he will drive them out of his land. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel, because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, Behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? For I am unskilled in speech. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron and gave them a charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Dear God, thank you for this. Sunday morning, thank you for your word, thank you for your servant Moses and this historical account we get to go over this morning, thank you for your saints that are here with us and any that may be on their way, any that are listening online now or in the future, God I ask that you would bless them, that you would encourage them and that you would make yourself mightily known, that you are the I am, Yahweh the all-powerful God, who was, who is, and is to come. You are holy. You are mighty. You love us. You sent your Son to die for us, for whosoever would believe in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great sacrifice and for this morning. Help me be strong and courageous and preach this word mightily, so that you could make yourself more mightily known. We pray these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So, the title for today's message is the I Am Revealed. And the reason that we call it the I Am Revealed is because today God wants to reveal himself to you. That's what God wants to do for you this morning. He wants to show you truly who he is, how he can be in your life if we would only submit to him. And we get this from verses 2 and 3. This is really what this passage is about. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. When you see Lord capitalized like that, that is Yahweh. I am the Lord. I am who I am. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God Almighty But my name, Lord. I am who I am. I did not make myself known to them. That's what this passage is about. It is about the I am. I am who I am. Keep in mind this whole time this Sunday morning when we're going over this passage together that this is all about I am. The I am is revealing himself. So, God is revealed as I, as the I am. If you take away one thing from this Sunday morning, it's this. If the I am is for you, Who can be against you? If he is for you, if he can even stand up against the most powerful person on earth, Pharaoh at the time, and under compulsion Pharaoh would let his people go, who can stop the plan of God? If God is for you, who can be against you? So that's what I want you to remember. That's really what I want you to take away this Sunday morning. If nothing else, God, who was, who is, who is to come, not just the Almighty, I am, and I'm going to try my very best to communicate to you just how magnificent the I am is this morning. So there's seven points that we're going to be going over, how the I am reveals himself, the plan of I am revealed, I am who I am revealed, the promise of I am revealed, the ear of I am revealed, the hope of I am revealed, the hopelessness without I am revealed, and the command of I am revealed. So let's go over the first point, the plan of I am revealed. Now here I wanna just go over what our brother Paul Johnson preached last week because this really introduces our passage this week. So remember we learned last week that after Moses and the Israelites asked to go worship God in the wilderness, that Pharaoh rejected this harshly and made life more difficult for them. So just keep in mind that Moses returns to the Lord Okay, so Moses is writing this. He knows who the Lord is. This is why it's in all capitals. But then it says, and said, O Lord. He doesn't call him Yahweh. He says, O Lord, as in my master, my God. He's not taking away who God is. He's not taking away that God is almighty. But he's not calling him the I am. And I think that has a lot to do with how he's questioning, right? Why did you, right? In your name, he has done harm to this people. You have not delivered your people at all. That's why our brother Paul Johnson taught us last week that people should not be blaming their overseers, but more importantly, overseers should not be blaming God and questioning him and doubting him. That's what Moses is doing. He's saying, why, God? What are you doing, God? Why put us through this? Can you imagine doing this? I I bet you you can because I think we've all done it. Moses is not some terrible person here. We've all done this. We're questioning God. But are you, do you realize that you are questioning the I am? The I am who I am, the creator of the universe. He's not just the Almighty. He is I am. So then in verse 1, so now the Lord responds. The Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do. He's blaming God. Now you're going to see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion, he will let them go. And under compulsion, he will drive them out of his land. So the Lord, I am who I am, says, You will see what I shall do. Despite what Pharaoh wants. It doesn't matter what Pharaoh wants. He will be compelled to do what I want. You and all, even to this day, will see my power. Now you shall see it, God is saying. Not because you are, get this, not because you are asking, Moses. You're not going to see my power because you're asking. You're not going to see it because I haven't been working. You're not going to see my power because you've compelled me to do it. No, you're going to see now that my plan was always in motion, that I was always going to do this, that I was always working, that I am is working. Nothing has changed. I am reminding you that I am is working. Amen? So I want to touch on briefly that Pharaoh will be compelled So despite the hardness and stubbornness of Pharaoh's heart, I will mightily compel him to act in accordance with my will. This is what God is saying here. Compulsion. It is the irresistible urge to act. You cannot resist it, right? The best analogy would probably be if someone had a gun to your head, right? It is against your will to do whatever this gunman might be asking, but you are compelled. It is irresistible because you value your life. So keep in mind, though, that Pharaoh definitely had a say in all of this. Again, if someone had a gun to your head, you do have a say in it. You do still have a free will. It's just you're subject to a higher authority, someone who is more powerful than you at this time. So Pharaoh has a say in all of this. It's just the I am has the final say. The I am has the final say, and he always will. He always will have the final say. In Exodus chapter 4.21, God says he will harden Pharaoh's heart, yet Pharaoh also hardens his own heart. We see this contrast of God doing the hardening and Pharaoh doing the hardening. Pharaoh has a say, but God's say is stronger. God gave Pharaoh 10 chances to let his people go and to save himself and many of his people, but God already knew that Pharaoh had no desire to change. Yet, God still gives him a chance. God still gives him a chance. He gives him 10 chances. 10 chances, right? Now, I'm going to quote John MacArthur here because I think he does a very good job explaining the balance of what we are seeing here. So this is John MacArthur speaking commentary on these verses. The Lord's personal and direct involvement in the affairs of men so that his purposes might be done is revealed as God informed Moses what would take place. Pharaoh was also warned that his own refusal would bring judgment on him. Previously, Moses had been told that God was certain of Pharaoh's refusal. This interplay between God's hardening and Pharaoh's hardening his heart must be kept in balance. Ten times, the historical record notes specifically that God hardened the king's heart. And ten times, the record indicates the king hardened his own heart. The Apostle Paul used this hardening as an example of God's inscrutable will and absolute power to intervene as he chooses. Yet obviously, never without loss of personal responsibility for actions taken. That's Romans chapter 9. The theological conundrum posed by such interplay of God's acting and Pharaoh's acting can only be resolved by accepting the record as it stands and by taking refuge in the omniscience and omnipotence of the God who planned and brought about his deliverance of Israel from Egypt and in so doing also judged Pharaoh's sinfulness." I wanted to bring that out, so what do we conclude? I wanna bring this out because we all have a choice, and the choice is this. We choose to obey God, or we choose to disobey God. But when we all see him face to face, at the end of the day of man, God is king, God is judge, he is sovereign, and what God wills will happen. God dealt with Pharaoh, the most powerful person on the earth at this time. But even Pharaoh is no match for I am. The I am is in control. The Lord is the sovereign I am. And if I could just give you one more picture about how our will and God's will comes together. If there is a famine in the land, and you and your family is out of grain you go to the king of the land and you ask the king may i have a bag of grain for my family and i whose will is it then that you would that you would receive the grain it is your will is it not you are asking it is your will to receive the grain however the king says there's two scenarios says to his servants give this man and his family some grain Whose will is it that the man and his family received grain? Is is it not the king's? How about in the other scenario? The king says, do not give this family grain. Whose will is it that the family does not receive grain? The king. So then understand that we do have a free will, but it is subject to the will of God. He can say yes, he can say no, but God is sovereign. God has the say. God is in control. Amen? Psalm 144.4, man is like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Remember this, saints, God is. So now we will get to see, I am who I am revealed. We saw the plan of I am revealed, what he intends to do. Now we're going to see, I am who I am revealed. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So that's what God is doing in verse 2 here, right? God is reminding Moses just who he is and who Pharaoh is dealing with. This was the problem that Moses had. He forgot who he was dealing with. He forgot that it was God who gave him charge, but not just God, just, not just any old God, the God, the God of gods, right? The King of kings, the only God, I am. And then we see in verse 3, the I am, Yahweh, I am who I am, confirms this by saying, I am not just the Almighty, right? I am not just the Almighty, as i revealed myself to the patriarchs i am he reveals himself as the almighty el shaddai right to abraham this is calling back to what we see in genesis 17:1 which is confirmed here in genesis 6:3 as god almighty but my name lord i did not make myself known to them so they knew that the, the, the name of god right but they didn't they weren't confronted so much with the fact that he is, I am who I am, because God says it right here, that I am the Lord, and I appeared to them, right, the patriarchs, as God Almighty. But my name, Lord, he's reminding Moses that I'm not just the Almighty, I am I am who I am. I'm so much more than the Almighty. I really wish I could do a better job illustrating to you just what it means when we're dealing with I am who I am. Before the people of God knew him as the Almighty, Now we know him as the eternal, the always was, the always is, the always will be God, the unstoppable, the never ceasing God. Yahweh is asking Pharaoh to let his people go. He's telling Moses, trust me, I got this. Don't you worry about it, because that's what we saw. Moses is over here questioning God, and God is being pretty nice. He's like, hey, you know, bud, I think you kind of forgot who's asking you to do all of this, right? I am. So I am who I am is revealed here. Keep that in mind. This is, again, the point of the passage. Everything comes out of this. Everything comes out of that. It is the I am who is asking all of these things. So I want to ask you, do you remember who God is for you? If you are his, who can be against you? If the Israelites are his, who can be against them? If God is for us, who can be against us? But maybe today you're sitting here and you don't know if you're his. You don't know who God is. You've never come to terms with who Jesus Christ is, who is God incarnate, God's son, his only begotten son. And I want to give all of you the opportunity this moment. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, And the Son of God, the I Am, who came down, who taught us that we can not only call God Yahweh, El Shaddai, the Almighty, we call Him Father. He calls us Son. He calls us Daughter. Do you know that Jesus Christ desires to call you friend? I know that He's called me friend. I am the friend of God. And if you want that this morning, I'd ask that you would believe that God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, down to earth, died on a Roman cross, He was beaten, He was scourged, He was betrayed. He died and He rose again on the third day. If you would believe that and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Then it doesn't matter what happens. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Your sins are nailed to the cross. Your past is nailed to the cross. Every terrible thing is nailed to the cross. The sin, the destruction, the hate, the disease, the war, the death, it's all gone. Jesus conquered death. I want you all to know that because we're in an Old Testament passage. We are talking about I am who I am and he has never changed. But to all of us, to all of us know that again, God has revealed himself to us as Jesus Christ, his son. Amen? Next, we're going to see the promise of I am revealed. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned. God reveals his promise to his chosen people. This is very important. It's very important for us to keep our eyes on the prize. What has God promised us? He promised them, right, the land in Canaan. He promised them this promised land, this place to look forward to. But we also have a promised land. We have heaven that awaits us. We have the new heaven and the new earth, eternal life for those who believe. As I just mentioned to you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you have this hope. If you prayed that prayer right in your seat, if you would just pray, Jesus Christ, save me. I I believe that you came and that you died and that you're my Lord. No matter what you're going through now, you have a promised land in heaven. You have something to look forward to. This is what God is doing here. I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. This is his promise And remember, remember it is the I am who is making this promise. But more than just the promise, you have the ear of God. You have his ear. You've heard that phrase before. When you have somebody's ear, you have their attention. The ear of I am revealed. This is the creator of the universe who spoke everything into existence, who formed you with his own hands and breathed life into you, And you have his ear. You have his attention. Furthermore, I have heard. I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage and I have remembered my covenant. God reveals that he has held his ear to our our situations. I have heard. He hears our plights. Remember that. God knows what you're going through right now. Joe doesn't know what you're going through. Perhaps the person sitting next to you doesn't know what you're going through. You may not know what I am going through, but God does. Cry out to God. He hears you. He hears you. God knows what you're going through. But I ask you this question. Are you trying to deliver yourself, or are you trying to let God do the work? Are you trying to deliver yourself from these trials? Whatever you're going through, this pain, this suffering, are you doing it in your own strength? Or are you gonna let God work? Are you gonna let the I am take care of it? Are you gonna trust him that he is working, that he is going to deliver the Israelites? Pharaoh made their life harder. When the enemy makes your life harder, do you trust him? Do you trust him that he's still working? Cease striving and know that he is God. But moreover, not only do you have the ear of God, not only does he hear you, but he remembers. He remembers what he hears. So it's not like when you tell me something and I forget tomorrow. It's not like when my wife tells me to buy a certain grocery and I forget. Right? I don't have the perfect memory. God does. He remembers everything. He's put our tears in a bottle. Everything that we've felt, everything that we've said, everything that you haven't said, God knows. And he remembers. He remembers what he's promised. He remembers his covenant. He remembers what he's going to do for your life. He who has begun a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. Amen? Amen. Is that what you remind yourself when you're going through it? That he's going to bring it to completion? That he is sanctifying you even now? It's very important for us to remember. So cease striving and know that he is God. Psalm 46.10. Not only does he hear us, he remembers what he's promised. Right? And some of you might be saying, well, I don't think he does remember what he's promised. Because Jesus Christ has not returned. Where is the second coming? Where is he? Where is God? You're questioning God. Why? Why, God? You're, you are Moses. Why, God, is this happening? It's only gotten worse here on earth, hasn't it? It's only gotten worse. What is going on? Well, right here, the infallible God, the God who never changes. He is the same to Moses as he was to the disciples, as he is to us and will be tomorrow. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9. So when you think, Lord, where are you? You remember the Great Commission. You remember your mission here on earth. You remember that Jesus Christ gave us the light that we are the light, and we're not supposed to put it under a lampstand. You have a work to do. God is coming back, and he will be here like a thief in the night, and we want to be found faithful with oil in our lampstands. But do not accuse him of forsaking his promise. Do not accuse him of not hearing you. Do not accuse him of not fulfilling his promise. Because he is fulfilling it even now. He is coming on the clouds and he will be here soon. But not until every single soul that the I am wants saved is saved. Remember that. Now comes my favorite part of the message. The hope. The hope of I am revealed. God wants you to have hope. He reveals to you his hope. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. This, this really, all this right here, this is all you should need. If you're ever down and out, a brother or sister in Christ should be able to come, come up to you and be like, hey, he is Lord. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot. I forgot that he is Lord. I forgot. But he's not, he, he's not like a, a sinful parent here on earth, that when your child comes up to you and asks you to do something, and you say, just do it because I said so, That's not our God. That's not our Father. See, he says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. He says exactly what he's going to do. He reveals hope from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you. Notice the contrast, how Moses accused him, you have done this, Lord. Now God, Yahweh, I am who I am, is saying, oh yeah, I will do this. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Look at the promise for deliverance that the Lord gives Moses for the Israelites. I will, I will, I will. What great a hope, amen? What great a hope we have Remember that this isn't Moses saying this. This is God. This is Yahweh, the great I am. My grandfather always used to say, consider the source. So you could take everything that's being said, but if it's not who he is, if it is not the I am saying this, there is no authority for it. There's nothing to back it. Consider the source who gives you these promises. The word of God. God himself, Jesus Christ, when you read scripture, realize that you are reading the word of God, Jesus, the word that became flesh. Consider the source who is making you these promises. Consider the source. There's also a saying that goes like this. You wouldn't receive insults from someone. You wouldn't ask their opinion, right? Why would you receive insults from someone that you wouldn't ask them for their opinion, right? It's the same thing. Consider the source. Consider who is saying things. Why be insulted by someone if you don't even value their opinion, their wisdom? What does it matter? All this being said is it matters who you are. Character matters. It matters who God is. It matters. It matters the most, This is paramount. This is the paramount point of the passage that it is the I am who I am saying these things. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. When God says something, that settles it. He is God. So when you look out at the world and you see all the pain and destruction, and the result of the fall remember that god is working and that he is redeeming when you are down on yourself for your own sin remember that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion philippians 1:6. i want you to know that god wants you to know to have hope have hope this hope we have is an anchor of the soul a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He redeemed it all. He is our sympathetic high priest. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our struggles. He's been tempted as you have been tempted. He's been tried as you have been tried. He's felt what you felt. He's died. It's appointed for man to die once and then to be judged. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took that upon himself. Do you, would you say, church, that we have hope? Would you say, church, that the Israelites had hope? God today is still the God of hope. I am who I am is still working. And he is still revealing his hope to you. Now, This next portion, this may be the very most important thing for us all to learn. It's the contrast. The hopelessness without I am revealed. The hopelessness without I am. I just shared with you how much hope we have. But there is an important point in this passage that should not be overlooked. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. Even after everything that was said, the Israelites were looking at the tops of their toes. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Have you ever felt like that? I have. I felt like that. I felt so discouraged, so despondent. Why even fight? What's it even worth? You forget every promise of God. What does it matter? Now, I don't think any of us would be so bold to say, I don't care who he is. But that's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. You're saying, I don't care who he is. I feel terrible right now. But you are not a victim of your emotions, friend. You're not a victim of your feelings. You're not a victim of anything, in fact. You're a conqueror. You've already won. The only thing the enemy trying to do is to get you to forget that. And that's what, that's what was going on here. That's what the enemy was doing. That's what the Egyptians and Pharaoh, that's what they were doing. So even after all this was said, the sons of Israel could, could not listen, could not receive They were so depressed, they were so down and looking at the tops of their toes that no matter how much Moses tried to share his hope, this hope, with them and tried to lift up their chins just a little bit, they couldn't receive it on account of their despondency. Moses tried to share this hope with them and they couldn't receive it. See, when you remove I am, you are left with hopelessness hopelessness without I am. You're left with your despondency. When we take our eyes off of the I am and who he is and we don't hold on to the promises, we are distracted by the enemy. We are discouraged. The enemy wants us to be despondent. The enemy knows that he's already lost. Satan and his demons know that they've already lost. So what's the only thing they can do to you? try to make you forget that you've won. How ridiculous that would be, after VE Day and VJ Day, if the enemy came back with a massive campaign of disillusion and propaganda, trying to tell you, hey, you guys didn't win at all. There is no victory over Europe and victory over Japan. You've lost. So why even keep fighting? Why resist socialism? Why resist capitalism? You've already lost. Why resist wrong becoming right, and right becoming wrong? Don't resist me, Christian. Don't resist me. Look at how terrible this world is. Look at all the sickness. Look at all the disease. Look at your own pain. Look at your own hair falling out. Look at the wrinkles on your face. Look at the burns, the breaks. Forget. I am, forget I am, I am who I am, breaks through the noise, he breaks through the noise, remember to focus on Christ, God is for you, who can be against you? Remember this: There's only one way to destroy someone, crushing their spirit, and that is to destroy their hope. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? Proverbs 18:14. But our hope is in Christ. Who here has ever been an athlete? Right? Who has ever played sports in school? And now, who of you played sports in school sustained an injury? And what happened? Your identity started to crawl, crush in on you. Who here has ever been a straight-A student, and then was in a a car wreck, perhaps? Had a terrible injury injury to their head, and then they couldn't read the same. Then they couldn't retain the information the same, and your identity starts to crush in on you. Maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you've been through the loss of a child. Maybe you've seen things that you wish you'd never seen. Your hope is in Christ, Christian. It is outside of all of that. It's outside of that because you can take away your spouse. You can take away your athleticism. You can take away your ability to retain information. You can take away your youth, but you can't take away Jesus Christ. You can't take it away. Our hope is in Christ. So I want to read this devotional for you. You might say, well, Joey, that's a little weird to read a devotional in a sermon. This isn't this is just one big devotional. Well, this is, this is just so good, and it puts it in a way that I just want to read it verbatim for you. Now, this is one of my favorite, favorite devotionals. It was, uh, it was my mother's favorite, and it's called Streams in the Desert, compiled by L.B. Kalman. And this devotional is from, I believe, the 16th of October. I'd encourage you all to read this. I have two favorite devotionals, Daily Strength for Daily Needs, also a compilation of Christian works, The Great Cloud of Witnesses, and now this one. And I would say this is the more mature of the two. This truly is streams in the desert. When you're down and you're out and you're parched and you need a drink like I do, read this. And remember, also, if I might just digress for one moment, this is not the words of Joey, this is in the words of any preacher, this is in the words of the great cloud of witness. This is the word of God. The whole point of me being up here is not because I have some authority over the Scriptures. The whole point of me being up here is to point you back to the Scriptures. Who here needs a teacher? You don't need me. If the Holy Spirit is within you, what do you need me for? You go read Exodus chapter 6 verses 1 through 13 and he'll teach you this and more. So the only point of the preacher, of the devotional, of each and every one of us is to point us back to Christ. That's the point. That's why I'm preaching. I'm supposed to set a fire under you and you got to run out of here and set fire to everyone else. That's the point. That's my gift. That's why I'm here. So when I shake your hand, I light you on fire because the fire's in me and it's a big domino effect and we go out of here and we light each other ablaze and the enemy can't put us out. So here's this devotional. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we must get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set out for us. Hebrews 12.1. There are weights which are not sins in themselves, but which become distractions and stumbling blocks in our Christian progress. One of the worst of these is despondency. The heavy heart is indeed a weight that will surely drag us down in our holiness and usefulness. The failure of Israel to enter the land of promise began in murmuring, or as the text in Numbers literally puts it, as it were murmured. Just a faint desire to complain and be discontented. This led on until it blossomed and ripened into rebellion and ruin. Let us give ourselves no liberty ever to doubt God or his love and faithfulness to us in everything and forever. We can set our will against doubt just as we do against any other sin. And as we stand firm and refuse to doubt, the Holy Spirit will come to our aid and give us the faith of God and crown us with victory. But it goes on. It gets better. It is very easy to fall into the habit of doubting fretting and wondering if God has forsaken us. And if after all our hopes are to end in failure, let us refuse to be discouraged. Let us refuse to be unhappy. Let us count it all joy when we cannot feel one emotion of happiness. Let us rejoice by faith, by resolution, by reckoning. And we shall surely find that God will make the reckoning real. The devil has two master tricks, saints. Two master tricks. One is to get us discouraged. Then for a time, at least... We can be of no service to others and so are defeated. The other is to make us doubt, thus breaking the faith link by which we are bound to our Father. Look out, do not be tricked by either way. Gladness, I like to cultivate the spirit of gladness. I want you to keep in mind when I'm reading this devotional, these are all different people. This is the great cloud of witnesses. These are all different saints. These are separate excerpts. This is the body of Christ crying out from times past, trying to encourage you. It's so powerful. These are lessons. No trial is overtaking you, but that which is common to man that the Lord provides the way of escape for. Nothing is new under the sun. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity, except when you look to the sun, except when you look up at Christ. There is no reason for us to be discouraged. Gladness. It puts the soul so in tune again and it keeps in tune so that Satan is shy of touching it. The cords of the soul become too warm or too full of heavenly electricity for his infernal fingers and he goes off somewhere else. Satan is always very shy of meddling with me when my heart is full of gladness and joy in the Holy Ghost. My plan is to shun the spirit of sadness as I would Satan. But alas... I am not always successful. Like the devil himself, it meets me on the highway of usefulness, looks me so fully in my face till my poor soul changes color. Don't let him do that to you. Where's the helmet of salvation? Where's the breastplate of righteousness? Where's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? Put on your armor. You are not to fight with Satan. Jesus Christ fights with Satan. You just say, I am his, he is working, I am who I am, is God. Sadness discolors everything. It leaves all objects charmless. It involves future prospects in darkness. It deprives the soul of all its aspirations and chains all its powers and produces a mental paralysis. An old believer remarked that cheerfulness, cheerfulness in religion makes all its surface services come off with delight and that we are never carried forward so swiftly in the ways of duty as when born on the wings of delight, adding that melancholy clips such wings or to alter the figure takes off our chariot wheels in duty and makes them like those of the Egyptians. It drags heavily. And I just wanted to share that verse that this person is referencing here. Exodus 14:25. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians each said, let me flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. The Lord is fighting for you. I keep this note on my desk after I read this devotional last year. Do not become despondent. Do not lose heart. Be of good courage. Christ has won, so then have I. Remind yourself of the truth. I'm not just like this, yelling all the time when I'm behind a pulpit. I'm just yelling all the time. I write in all caps, I yell at myself, wake up, Joey, remember who Jesus Christ is, remember that he is the I am, don't you forget it, because sometimes when there's no one else around who encourage you, you go to God, because that's who you were supposed to go to in the first place, remember that when you're alone, go to God, do not become despondent, the enemy is at work. You call him out for what he's doing. There is no reason for you to be down. It doesn't matter what you've done. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. You're a saint. Don't count down the days since last you stumbled, for the righteous man falls seven times and gets up again. You have won. Lastly, The command of I am revealed. The command of I am revealed. Now this is really cool. Because now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But Moses spoke before the Lord saying, Behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. See, here is depression. Here is discouragement. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? If your people won't listen to me, how then will Pharaoh? For I am unskilled in speech. There's Moses going back to his old crutch again. I I can't do it, God. I, I, I don't speak very well. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron. God doesn't just disregard your despondency. He doesn't throw it out. He doesn't say, oh, silly little human, forgetting who I am again. He cares. He cares. So he says it not just to Moses this time, but to Moses and Aaron. But he doesn't give it too much more time than that. All right, Moses, I hear you. Your brother will help you. Just remember that Moses could have done it on his own. Just remember that you do not need me or any other preacher. You could do it on your own. But God has gifted preachers and teachers and saints because he knows we need it. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily while it's still called today so you are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's important. God knows we need it. He only wants us to need him, but he knows that we are but dust. So he sends us encouragement. He sends us help and gave them a charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh king of Egypt to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So remember this. When all else fails, trust and obey. That's it. It's that simple. Everything that has been said, at the end of the day, as this message started out, I am who I am is asking. He will bring the work to completion. You have a say in it, but he has the final say. There is nothing you can do to resist God. Irresistible grace. Irresistible. You will be compelled to love him because he's just that good. He will change your heart. He will give you a heart of flesh no longer a heart of stone. When all else fails, trust and obey. The Israelites are too depressed to hear the message of God. Guess what? The plan of God moves forward anyways. When you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, that's because you're the light. That's because the light's already with you. Don't desire to see the end of the trial, which this analogy points us to. Realize that he's giving you grace to endure it. Trust and obey. If he wants you to sit in darkness for 40 days and 40 nights, then you ought to do it. You trust and obey. How long was Joseph sitting in prison? Well I'll tell you what, it was more than a week. It was years. How long were the Israelites in captivity? Some 400 years, if I'm not mistaken. 400 years. And God's plan is still working. When you can't see the light, you focus on the light. You remember that he's given you the light. Focus on him and obey what he says. Trust and obey, for there is no other way in Jesus. As the old hymn says. Even Moses is discouraged again. Your people who know who you are are not listening. Who then will? Pharaoh, who says he doesn't even know you? Your people know you. Pharaoh doesn't know you. Why in the world is he going to listen to me? Because, Moses, he's not listening to you. He's listening to me. I am. You're just a mouthpiece, Moses. The power in this message, the power in the word is not Joseph Shav's. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. And if you've learned anything, it's because you have the Spirit. Amen? It's God. God does the work. So what does God do? As I said, he includes Aaron, and he just moves on. Right? Moses' brother, who's a little bit more eloquent. But he presses on, nevertheless. It's just a slight, all right, all right, I hear you, and he moves on. He moves on. God cares. He's not a bulldozer like me. He's not going to just try and get his will done by just sheer strength. God doesn't have to do that. It's just unstoppable. You can't stop him. It's like the breaking out of water. Everything is just going to move out of the way. He does it with love. Keep that in mind, too. All this being said, we do it without love. We're just a noisy gong. We're just noisy. I've made an awful lot of noise this morning. Some of it a little loud. But if I say it with love if I really try to communicate to you that it's because I love you and Jesus loves you and that's why I'm up here it's all worth it. That's all, it's all I want you to know is that God loves you that God is working and if he is for you. Who can be against you? So he gives this final command. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and he gave them a charge. Everything that's happened, he just presses on and he says, Nevertheless, bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Bring them out. Trust me, it's going to happen. Because remember this, church, the I am is commanding and nothing can stop him. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful Sunday service. Thank you for bringing us all together. Thank you for how good you are and everything that you're doing. I just want to love you and serve you and I pray that we all would love and serve you more. And I truly ask, that we can come to know you and we would remember how you've revealed yourself to us and that you would just do a great work in all of us. And we pray this all to the great I Am. Jesus' name, amen. I forgot to mention this to you, but I hope today you'll begin to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior as he's revealed himself to you. And I hope as well you'll prayerfully consider who God is I am who I am and submit to his will in your life. Take a picture of that. That's what I do when Paul Johnson puts it up on the screen and I meditate on it. I hope you'll do that. Thank you all and God bless you.